What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Welcome back to Football Americana. This week, I'm talking to Walker Zimmerman, born and raised in Georgia. He's a 29-year-old center back for Nashville and the U.S. men's national team. And today, we're going to talk about Walker and his career and also gain some insight into the historic CBA that was recently signed by the U.S. women's and U.S. men's national teams with U.S. soccer. So, Walker, thanks so much for joining me with this conversation. And before we get into all of that good stuff, uh, tell us a bit about your youth soccer upbringing. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, my youth career, I started when I was about four or five, probably like a lot of other young soccer players. And I'm the youngest of three boys. So my older brothers started playing uh, when they were four or five. And then when I could finally, uh, put on a Jersey and they let me in to the club, I was able to play. And, um, I played all the way from U6 to U19 at, at GSA Gwinnett soccer association. And that was kind of what shaped me in my club years. Did some ODP starting at, uh, U14 and did that all the way through as well. Was there a moment or time frame where you remember realizing that you were a little bit special or you were pretty good? I think I, there are a couple that kind of come to mind. I think one of them was, um, I was playing U10. It was like my last year of rec soccer. And one of the you know select coaches came over and was kind of talking to my mom. And he's like, look, Walker right now is an athlete who plays soccer. I want to make him a soccer player who's also an athlete. And it's because I think he knew I always played baseball and basketball. And, you know, a typical weekend was changing in the car, your different uniforms and playing all the different sports in a weekend. But uh, that moment for me, you know, I realized, wow, he's probably right. Um, And I recognized probably a little bit after that, that if I wanted to be a professional athlete, soccer was going to be my best bet for that. Yeah, very interesting. And that is a very, um, um, I feel like it's a very American uh, soccer upbringing, but I'm curious based on that, like, were you a soccer fan? Did you watch soccer or were you just watching all sports? Like, how did you interact with it as a fan? It's actually funny because I think now, you know, as a pro, so many guys grew up just watching soccer and, you know, waking up in the morning with their parents who were probably also soccer players or watched soccer growing up and they watched the EPL, they have their favorite teams, their favorite players. 
me and my brothers, I mean, we watched everything. I almost enjoyed watching all the other sports instead and would watch sports in her top 10 and try and recreate the shots out in the driveway on the basketball hoop and um, really didn't watch too much soccer until later on in my career. So it wasn't something that I really, you know, was a one sport kind of guy. Uh, it was definitely had the enjoyment of, of watching and playing all the other ones. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And I do feel like that is pretty American. Like I grew up in a household where my parents didn't know anything about soccer. So we kind of figured it out as we went. Um, curious if there was a moment or if you remember your first realization of, of watching or seeing the U.S. men's national team, or if there was a time when you were like, okay, that is my specific goal. I'm seeing this and I want to do that. I, I think honestly, for me, it was after the 2002 World Cup, I would have been about nine years old and they released the DVD of like the U.S. team's journey in that World Cup. And I remember I was like rooming on a ODP trip with a friend and he had the DVD. And so we were like watching the DVD and I was seeing all the highlights and games. I'd kind of followed along, but I was nine years old, you know, um, but to see that DVD and the highlights and the story, that was probably the first time I was like, wow, like this is kind of what I want to do. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you're younger than me, but the DVD definitely uh, dates you a little bit. Young, I know. Young kids know. are going to be listening like, what's a DVD? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I put it in the car player too. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you've played your entire pro career so far in the US, first with FC Dallas, then LAFC, now in Nashville. Um, and you've been MLS Defender of the Year twice. Uh, do you have your sights set on Europe at some point? How do you think about your career trajectory in terms of like other opportunities that might exist abroad? I'm 100% open to it. I, I, I would love that opportunity to challenge myself. Um, it obviously has to be the right fit because I am very happy with where I am. I'm happy in Nashville. Uh, I love the commitment that the club has made to me and my family since we've arrived. But I think at the same time, um, there's always that uh, desire to to play and challenge myself at the highest possible level. And so then it just comes, you know, if there's an opportunity that makes sense and it makes sense for Nashville, makes sense for me, makes sense for the the other team, then I, I'm 100% on board. So we'll see what happens. Um, hopefully, you know, have a have a good World Cup. Hopefully make that team and and contribute to, to a good run. And we'll see what happens. And I definitely want to talk about the, the upcoming World Cup in a second. But curious, I need to know if I should invest in a Zimmerman jersey of a particular team. So do you have like a bucket list team that you'd want to go to in Europe or a league that you think would particularly fit your style? I think your guess is as good as mine uh, on a club uh, that would be a good fit. But uh, I do think that the EPL is a, a league that I, I have grown to watch a little bit more than others and, and think my game would be probably best suited for that league. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. It's take it day by day. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. It's good to focus on what you have upcoming, which speaking of that, so so looking at, you know, the upcoming World Cup, you know, you were first called in under Bruce Arena 2017. Um, how have you seen and felt the team evolve since you were new on the team and now you've kind of evolved into a leader? What has that been like? It's been really cool. I think, you know, there aren't too many players who um, were involved back in 2017 uh, and have kind of been with the team since. And so I think it was really formative for me to, to be involved with all of the players who had, you know, been involved with the 2010 or 2014 World Cups, had been staples around the national team for years. I learned so much from them in the way that they competed, um, the way that they brought about the U.S. men's national team standards. And uh, it taught me a lot. It taught me, you know, both the good side and the bad side of team chemistry, um, of leadership. So I definitely take, take a lot from those experiences in 2017 and even 2018. 
And then now with this group of players that we have, it's it's just really exciting. We have a lot of youth, um, but we also have a lot of experienced youth. You know, guys playing at really big clubs and really big tournaments, winning trophies, and and it's a really fun uh, dynamic that we have between the youth and then to be considered older at 29 is pretty crazy because that's a uh, that's not normal in international soccer. So I, I'm loving the position that that I get to have as a leader. Um, the, the youth that they kind of get to bring out in me as, as young kids sometimes. Uh, it's just a really fun group to be a part of. Yeah, you know, that's really well said. I think that that's a great summary of the team. It is a young team, but it's not an inexperienced team by any means. Um, and that being said, is there a particular way that the team is preparing mentally? Like, can you feel a difference now as, as the World Cup approaches? You know, each, each week, each camp you guys have, it's getting closer. Is there anything that you guys are doing that's different than just any normal time to prepare? I think that this camp in particular has been a little bit different. Uh, qualifying is its own beast and it's its own animal. You're playing um, to finish in a certain position and it's a really big group and you play home and away. It's um, it's just it's just what qualifying is. And with these games in this window, obviously the Morocco and, and Uruguay team, those are really important games for us. They're two games against World Cup uh, participants and that are ranked in the top 25 in the world. And so we got to challenge ourselves and, and really made those two games a dress rehearsal for what's to come in November. So now with these two Nations League uh, games, we have to shift gears again, go back into kind of tournament mode um, to get some results in the next week. But I think these past two games were very important. And then we'll have just only two more friendlies. So I think everyone is realizing that there are not a lot of games left until we suited up in a World Cup. And that's exciting. And also, I think, has contributed to guys taking this camp and these games very seriously. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of people don't really realize the, the mindset shift, whether you're competing in a tournament or it's just a preparation game or kind of how those things differ. And then similarly, you know, you had made reference to if, if I make the roster, which I think I think we all... Well, I'll agree you have a very, very good shot at that. But it's true, you know, over the years I was involved in the U.S. women's national team player pool and you have players like my good friend Heather O'Reilly who would always say, if I make the team. And I'm like, Heather, you're going to make the team. You've been involved in every camp. So as a player, how do you balance? Obviously, there's nothing that's for sure. How do you balance, you know, it's still for a lot of players a tryout process, but also um, preparation to be unified. And so can you talk a little bit about that balance of, of everyone's fighting it out internally, but also trying to prepare together. It's really difficult. There's no no two ways about it. I think the great thing is whether you feel like you have a spot as of right now or not, um, you know, you have to compete because at the end of the day, if you feel like you're a lock, you're still trying to fight for that starting position or those minutes. And, you know, I look at what happened with me. I mean, from September to the end of qualifying, that was only six months. And so I wasn't really playing in September, didn't make the initial roster in October. And then all of a sudden, five months later, it's talking about, okay, well, he, he should be going to the World Cup. And I look at from now until November, that's the same amount of time, you know? So it's anything really can happen. Um, I, I just try and focus on competing every day, making sure that I'm trying to be the best version of myself on and off the field um, and to make others around me better. And, and that I'm gonna compete every single day for this spot because it's something that I don't want to give up now that, you know, I've, I've gotten into the fold a little bit more. Yeah. You know, it's, it's such good insight. Cause I do think people don't quite realize people say, Oh, he's on the, the men's mm-hmm. national team or someone's on the women's national. Well, no one's actually on the team 
unless you, they're on each roster as you go. It, it's so, actually so it's funny. It's so funny trying to explain to friends who are not really in the sports industry or, or even just international soccer. It's like, well, oh, so you're making the World Cup team. It's like, well, every camp is different. Like, oh, what do you mean? I thought you were on the team. I'm like, well, listen, yeah, nothing it's, operates it's, a, like that. it's a lot more complicated than that. And it's it's a lot more stressful um, as you're just literally competing every training to to make sure that you make the next camp roster. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, obviously hoping and assuming things continue to go well for you. Uh, I know you've talked about, you know, looking forward to facing Harry Kane in particular. You you called him out. Are there any other matchups you're especially either nervous about or excited for um, thinking forward to the World Cup? I think now that we know that Wales is our opponent, you got to throw Gareth Bale's name in the hat. I mean, uh, these are two guys that have been around for such a long time and playing at such a high level for so many years that it's going to be great to get to challenge yourself against uh, players with that kind of quality. So those two, especially since they play attacking positions um, and could possibly be matched up against them is going to be a fun challenge and, and one that I'm looking forward to. Do you two kind of visualize and imagine or like, do you watch and play it all and imagine it or how do all you the handle that mentally? All the time. I'm, I'm already picturing a, a lot of different situations, both offensively, defensively, uh, scoring goals, making game saving challenges, tackles. I mean, that's part of part of being a pro is that that visualization piece. So um, I'm certainly doing that already. Yeah, it's huge. I'm excited for you just listening to you talk about it. Um, so transitioning a little to um, the CBA, it was just signed. And if you're listening and you're not familiar with, uh, you know, it was big news, but if you're not that familiar with it, so the new CBA is, is really special because it eliminates the pay gap between the U.S. men's national team and U.S. women's national team and sees the World Cup bonuses from FIFA pooled together and split among the teams equally, which is, I mean, this is historic. It's the first we're the first country to do something like that. So I'm curious to hear from you. You know, we hear a lot from the women on the team about this process. And I was, you know, I'm good friends with a lot of those women. I was part of that group in the past, but I'm curious to hear a little bit from you about the process from the men's side. And you were part of the leadership team. So talk a little bit about how long you were part of the leadership team on the Men's National Team Players Association. Who else is on that leadership team? Like, what does your working process look like in something like this? Yeah, I think what's made it so interesting has been um, just kind of the turnover and the timing of kind of our expired CBA. So again, for those who are not listening, our our CBA was uh, up at the end of 2018. So as of January 1st, 2019, we were playing on an expired CBA. And, and while the women were um, still supposed to be under theirs, which I think has always made it a little bit difficult to negotiate for U.S. soccer is because the in order to have equal pay, it was very difficult for them with the timing of when those deals started and ended. And the other tough piece, I think, for the men's side is the turnover and personnel. Um, so we had a leadership council that, you know, kind of was running through 2018 and included a lot of veterans who had been around for, for many years who negotiated that CBA. And when 2018 happened, um, there was a lot of turnover in the player pool, a lot of new people trying to step up. And then just, I think there's just uh, more continuity with, with the players that get called in on a regular basis with the women and the men. So we realized um, probably in 2019 or 2020 that we need to kind of restructure uh, our leadership and the way that we operate. So we had had five members on the leadership council, and it was pretty much strictly five members who were always kind of negotiating and talking to, to our lawyers more regularly. And then when, you know, probably 2020, 2021, uh, as we were starting to engage in conversations with 
Federation. Uh, we expanded that leadership group to probably 12 or 13 players. Um, so I became a part in that expanded group, um, probably from 2020 on. And it just allowed for more conversation, more uh, engagement from a variety of players. And uh, then as we got closer and had uh, kind of reached you know, close to a deal in, in June of 2021, um, that ended up falling through. And so from that point on, I think is where everything shifted into realizing, okay, it's going to be better to negotiate a joint CBA with the men and the women and get all the um, parties at the table together. And so that's, I know I'm rambling on a little bit, but that's kind of the background on why I think it was a little bit more difficult um, with the timing and why I think um, the men's side in particular was a little bit different to, in terms of the leadership uh, and how we operate. No, that, that's extremely helpful context. I think these are the things that it's so hard to understand and the nuances of everyone's like, oh, it's so simple, just do equal pay. Well, there's so much more that goes into it to, to your point, the timing of the actual deals and, and so many pieces. So that, that's really helpful background. And as you guys were talking about the timing of your deals and in your expanded leadership group and all of this, were you, was there a conscious effort on your part and thought about what the women were asking for? Or how did that factor into how you structured and handled the process? Yeah, there became a lot more interaction probably in 2021 with our lawyers and the women's lawyers, where I think that was where they began to recognize that, okay, US soccer wants equal uh, CBAs. And then it became a question, okay, well, what does that look like? Are we choosing the same structure? Are we just agreeing for equalization of prize money if that if that is ne- uh, necessary. And so there was a lot of talk between the lawyers about, you know, I think they had an understanding that, okay, it's probably going to need to be exactly equal, but what does that look like? And, and so that was a, a tough challenge for them was figuring out, okay, is it about commercial and sponsorship revenue? How do we split that up equally? Is it, are we doing game-based? Are we doing salary-based? Are we changing everything or changing nothing? It's a lot of different moving pieces um, that really came to play. Uh, but I think you know, when our men's negotiations kind of fell through in June, um, it gave everyone the opportunity to get on the same page and then realize, okay, we're going to be bargaining this together. And I think the lawyers, you know, they did a good job and they had the foresight to see that this was a possible scenario. And so I think they had been talking a little bit more regularly prior to that happen, prior to that happening. Yeah, that that makes sense. Did you feel, I mean, was the general sense among among the men's team that this was a sacrifice in some way to the negotiation of the deal to do? And and I don't mean that in a negative way, yeah. even what like how did how was that viewed? I don't I don't think it was a necessarily seen as a sacrifice. Um I think we looked at, you know, the the CBA itself and recognized that this is, you know, we're gonna become one of the highest paid uh international teams in the world. And not even talking about the women's side, just as the men's team. And so the fact that, you know, it is equal terms with the women, um, you know, everyone, it's not like we were losing money, you know, like we're still making gains. The beauty of it is the women are now also making way more incremental gains from where they were. And now it's all equal, which is really exciting for both teams. So I think we were thrilled and excited because I think it would have been a sacrifice if we looked at our expired CBA and then went backwards, you know? Um, so I think, I don't think anyone really saw it as a sacrifice in that regard. And then I think when it comes to World Cup um, prize money, you know, that was an interesting conversation to navigate with with multiple players in the room with differing opinions. And, um, you know, we started out a little bit more shocked and, you know, it, it felt like it was probably more of a sacrifice. 
And then as those conversations grew, we began listening more. We saw the numbers and the breakdown of what it really looked like. I think we ultimately were like, you know, this is this is a great deal for both teams. Um, what an amazing opportunity to do something historic and and step up to the plate and be the first federation, uh, you know, first men's and women's side to agree to to exactly equal pay, even with the prize money included. Yeah, that's such an interesting perspective because, you know, I, I put something, when it happened, a lot of people were tweeting about it and I, myself included, I put something in. A couple people commented something to the effect of like, no disrespect, but why are you saying congratulations to the U.S. men's team? And in my mind, um, I, I did feel that it was probably like what you're saying, but you never know. You don't hear the narrative on both sides. So it's good to hear that you feel that it was, it was it's been beneficial, mutually beneficial, and it's obviously something really important to do. So I did see that uh, you had said you're going to likely bring your son to to a camp at some point, which is obviously something that uh, comes as a, as a like a, a new benefit that you mm-hmm. would you would be offered. Is there anything else like that, like things that we might not know of? Just uh, anybody who sees you see equal prize money, but what other little things like that? Uh, well, that's not a little thing, but what other things like that might come into play for you? You know, I think that's probably the main one for us. Uh, I think the reality of it uh, when it comes to some newer things are the men's side probably did have a little bit more in there in terms of whether it was staffing um, or, you know, and the women had other things in there that they needed to gain. And, and so I think that one sticks out for me, the, the childcare piece as a really cool opportunity for, you know, dads to take advantage of and uh, show that it is such an important role. And, and it honestly, it, it gives me excitement to think about, you know, trying to implement that. So I've already been asking around, seeing how that works when it's going to be implemented. Um, you know, he's just under one, so it's still, you know, not able to do it for this camp uh, in terms of logistics and everything. And then, you know, we have two friendlies that are going to be in Europe. So that would probably be a little more difficult as well. Um, but certainly starting next year, I'm, I'm going to be buzzing to try and have Tucker around camp. And, you know, my wife brought him for, for two days, uh, the past two days. And it's just so fun having, you know, her and him here the guys got such a kick getting their baby therapy in, playing with him, trying to make him laugh and clap and, and smile. And it was just a, a really cool moment to have him in and around the group and to also try and, you know, we mentioned it's such a young team to show them, you know, what what being a good role model and, and trying to be a good role model, trying to be a good dad, a present dad looks like. I think that's that's really important, especially for this group of young players to see. So I'm definitely excited for that um, little perk that we now have in our CBA. And um, I'm sure there's other little pieces that I'm missing. Yeah, I love that so much. And I think, it, you know, I've been on teams um, where there are kids around. It happens a lot more already on the women's side. And it is a really nice thing, you know, win, lose, practice goes well, it doesn't go well. The kids run out on the field and it changes the entire mood of everything. Like they don't know. They don't know who's won or lost or who started or didn't start. And so it's, it is really, um, it's going to be amazing, I think, when you're able to bring him. So I'm oh, looking forward wait. to seeing the videos and stuff. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. We had him, we had him decked out in like little uh, USA, little kit, um, you know, US flags all over. He's ready. It. He's ready. Yeah, he was, he was loving it. So that's great. Um, you know, last question about this, your insight has been, has been really, really interesting here. Um, you know, when I was on the U S women's national team, we really didn't have any working relationship with the men's team in the sense of not just, you know, from lawyers to lawyers, but just go between, between the players. Has this strengthened that at all? Do Do you guys talk to the women's players? What, what is that like? I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, there's always just been some kind of like bad rap that I think flies around. And I don't know that 
either team really buys into that. I think it's just simply there hasn't been a lot of interaction at all. And I think that's just the nature of when camps are, where camps are, um, we're never around them. Um, so I, I think this process and, you know, even being able to do some, some interviews post CBA and, and getting to meet some of them, talk with them um, has been really awesome. You know, I think we're huge fans of theirs. Um, they're huge fans of ours. Hopefully they will be a little bit bigger fans of us uh, for this first world cup where, where that equalization goes into effect, but um, it's just going to be really fun. Now. I think it adds a, a little bit of a fun dynamic, you know, really rooting for each other um, having that incentive. But I think more than anything, like I've looked up to these players, you know, growing up, whether it's Becky or, or Alex Morgan and uh, watching, you know, Carly Lloyd and Abby Wambach, like I've been a huge uh, women's national team fan. And so I think it has been weird looking back and like, well, now that I've been a part of the men's team for like six years and I've never really interacted with anyone from that team, it's, it's, you know, something that needed to change. And I think that with the CBA and, and with, um, you know, everything that's going on in the future, maybe it's something where we'll have way more interaction or uh, camps at the same location, whether it's games in the same place. And, and that'll be a really fun thing moving forward. Yeah, I think it's so important. It's, you know, you're all part of the same organization, but I definitely felt the same thing as you over the years. There was no bad feeling at all. There just was no relationship. Yeah. So it's really interesting to, I, I to see how a, this will affect it. That's a great way to describe it. And I think too, even looking beyond uh, the men's and women's teams, but looking to, you know, our Paralympic team, our beach soccer team and, and those different communities, what an opportunity for us to connect together and really become this one nation, one team. Cause it is more than just, you know, the, the senior teams and whether that's more youth involvement. Um, there's just so many teams under the umbrella of us soccer that, you know, I think, I think we can do a better job of being more connected and, and really being each other's cheerleaders. Yeah. And I'm on the athletes council. Actually, we got to get you on the athletes council. Cause you're speaking, you're talking about exactly what we talk about all the time. Like how do we unify unify everyone and have everyone understanding, you know, the governance of U.S. soccer and that we're all part of the same family. So uh, I'll follow up on that. Sounds good. <laughs> but last question for you before we, we finish up with what we call the false nine, which is like nine rapid fire fun questions. Perfect. But I love that. last serious question before we, do, we get into that. Um, have you thought about, you know, you're still in the midst of the height of your playing career. So not no time soon, but have you thought about what you want to do post playing career? Like 20 years from now, what is yeah. Walker Zimmerman doing? Always, always trying to have the the pieces turning, wheels turning. Um, I, you know, this past year, it was a really probably the busiest year of my life. I had uh Tucker was born last June. I realized that um I wanted to spend as much time with him as possible in my life. And so I decided to take my B coaching course uh, and do that while he was really young with probably you know less of a memory of interaction. And so I knocked out my B coaching course this past year, um, which I'm really excited about to get finished. And that I could see myself coaching in college, whether it's college soccer, um, getting involved at some capacity uh, as a coach. I've also thought about public speaking or motivational speaking, just trying to encourage everyone to become the best version of themselves, uh, whether that's in sport or out of sport. And so those are two avenues that I'm really excited about moving forward. Um, I always have just a competitive gene. So I think that coaching really um, would kind of check all the boxes for me in that way. But uh, also, I think with the college age group, you know, having a bit more influence on um, just the kids and at that age, um, trying to mold them into the best versions of themselves, I think is you know, as equally fun of a challenge as helping them as competitors on the field. So... I would say coaching or motivational speaking right now, but things can always change and um, I'll be ready if they do. 
Yeah, no, that, that's great. And those licenses are no joke. So uh, yeah. good, good for you for delving into I'm, that. I'm glad, it's, I'm glad it's done with. Yes, I hear you on that. I did, I did a couple of my early licenses and I was like, I don't think the coaching route is for me. So yeah. it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Our false nine, we're going to ask you nine rapid fire questions. So first thing that comes to mind or, uh, or whatever you think of. Um, so I know you said you were not a huge soccer fan growing up. So I'm going to change this. The question is what all time match would you want to attend? I'm going to open it up to if you don't have a soccer one, any sport. Yeah, it's going to be a Ryder Cup for me. I think I love golf. Um, so, you know, the Masters would be fun, but I think something about the Ryder Cup and the atmosphere that, you know, goes on at those events is so unique in golf. Um, just have the rowdiness, the the fans that are there. I think that's probably probably top of the list for me outside of soccer. Do you golf? I do golf. I love golf. I love Tiger Woods. Uh, I love watching it. And, and certainly I wish I could play a little bit more, but maybe that's for that, uh, that retirement stage. That you yeah. Mentioned add, add that to your list. <laughs> um, someone, you have to pick someone to take a penalty to save your life. Who's taking it? I'll take CP 10. I'll take Christian Pulisic. Uh, he's come up in the clutch many times for the U S before. So I'll ride or die with him. And that was a very quick answer too. So yeah. uh, he should be honored if he hears this. <laughs> um, the, so first match you remember watching. First soccer match ever. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, probably a Champions League final. Um, it was AC Milan. I don't remember who they played. I was pretty young, but it was probably a Champions League final. I was probably like nine or 10. Yeah. Um, that was around the time when they started to actually put that stuff on television in the U.S. I know. There was right? a while like, where like no one even, I, I didn't know what that was growing up playing soccer. Like no one knew I know, what was going on. I know. It's so crazy. Um, Who do you have a poster of in your room growing up? Funny enough, I think uh, Brian McBride was on there. Kobe Jones. Uh, Josh Wolf actually might have even been in there too because he played at our rival high school. So he played at Parkview High School oh. uh, in Georgia. And so there was like a little connection there. And they might have even been hand-me-down posters from my brother because I think I inherited his room. So, uh, okay. yeah, I think those were some of the guys that were hanging up in there. Awesome. Favorite stadium you've played in? I love our new home field at Geodis Park, honestly. Um, is really, really well done. It's a great size, 30,000. Um, and it's been a, a really, it's been a really pleasant surprise to have our fans and the turnout that we've had uh, in Nashville. They're great group of fans and hopefully we'll just continue, you know, growing soccer in Nashville. Yeah. That, you had an, you had an easy answer for that yeah, one. That was, the bank of California is great too. I, you know, I can't, I can't hit on my days in LAFC. The, the fans there are uh, super passionate. And I think their ability to have those chants down for the entire game is, is special. And that, so that part is unique uh, for that stadium. Yeah. Uh, your men's national team teammate with the best dance moves. Best dance moves. Um, probably Tim Weah. I know he's got a smooth voice. Honestly, I haven't seen him dance too much, but he can, he's really smooth with like everything he does. So okay, I'm okay. Tim Weah. Good, yeah. good insider info. Uh, your favorite pair of sneakers. I don't know if you're, if you're in the sneaker game, but I'm quite are. a sneaker head, but um, I would say I probably my golden gooses. Honestly, I got those as a trade present for myself. Um, the trade was a really big shock for me. And so I got put up in the hotel like two days afterwards and the hotel was right by the mall. So I walked in the mall and one of the first stores I saw were Golden Gooses. And I didn't even know they really made like men's Golden Gooses. I just knew my wife had wanted them for a long time. 
So I walk in there and got them. And then she's like, wait, where are mine? Um, but I actually, I had sent her a picture of like, Hey, do you want these? And she said, Oh no, it's okay. But that was my trade present for How was it? You know, when she says, Oh no, that's okay. You'd still buy them. <laughs> I, I, I was like, okay, well you can just pick out your own, but know that that offer was on the table. Um, and now I think she regrets like the ones that I had sent her were like red, white, and blue. So she could wear like US games. And now I don't think she's found like the exact combo. She's like, I should have just gotten these. <laughs> That's a great story. That is a good reason to have those be your favorite pair. Yeah. Um, your go-to snack. You know, I'm kind of like low carb. So it's, it's hard to like have junk food snacks. So I typically just have like um, maybe some, some yogurt with some almond butter in there. Uh, some variety like a mixed nuts and that's probably a go-to snack very healthy snack yeah. um okay last question i don't know if you play pickup soccer ever or if you used to but pick up pet peeve if you're playing what do you hate what people are doing it sounds crazy but honestly when they try too hard like in a like a physical sense like uh not running or anything but like going to tackles like that really bothers me um i think more so because a lot of the pickup i've played is like in the off season. And so I'm like at home, like with some friends from high school or whatever. And I'm just like really not trying to get hurt. So if they kind of go in a little harder than I'd like, I'm kind of like, like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm about that right now. Um, it's their chance to one up Walker Zimmerman. Yeah, there's, only a fine, chance. there's a fine line, you know, like we're out here having fun. We're competing, but also like it's kind of, kind of sketchy when you go in like that. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. Well, that was our false nine. I really, really appreciate your time and the conversation. You, I think, shed a lot of light on some of the realities of what it's like to be a pro and be in some of these environments that people just don't know. So thank you so much. And uh, we are all rooting for you. I'm rooting for you. I, I'm going to get my Zimmerman jersey ahead of the World Cup. I'm saying it now, okay. but I'm really going to do it. And, and so uh, looking forward to watching you out there. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.